Hey, it's Liz Kelly, and welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. The Ringer's got a brand new show out now about NFL player Cam Newton called The Cam Chronicles. We'll be releasing new episodes every Monday for the next six weeks, but you can binge all six episodes right now for free on Spotify. Here's a quick trailer. From The Ringer, I'm Tyler Tons, host of the new podcast series, The Cam Chronicles. NFL star Cam Newton has always been a complex figure. Over the past year, I've traveled the country speaking to coaches and teammates, friends and family, and even briefly to the man himself, trying to unravel the enigma that is Cam Newton. The Ringer NFL Show presents Cam Chronicles. Listen to the full series now on Spotify. Hello and welcome into Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your host, Annie Finberg, as always, joined by my co-host, Mr. Vince Carter. VC is still in the house. He is retired and he is actually in the house. Um, we are coming to you for a quick little check-in episode and then we are going to do a mailbag where we answer all the questions that you guys have sent in for us for Vince because I know you're all very curious about Vince's NBA career, college career, and everything in between. So we'll try to get to all your questions. So make sure you stay tuned and listen, and we'll try to give you a shout out when we get to your question. But first, Vince, let's just check in. We haven't spoken since we recorded your retirement episode. How's that been going? I'm sure that was overwhelming and insane for you. Let me tell you something. I don't want to say, I. well, I knew we were dropping it, but I forgot at the same time. I was, um, my, that morning... It dropped waking up, just looking I'm like, yo, what is going on? And I didn't realize um, 200 messages the first day, another 100. So I had about 310 messages in two days. And yeah, some people were like, you know, congratulations, blah, blah, blah. You know, the story, the little two cents. And then I get, uh, and, and you know, it's, and I reply. Once I replied, some people just left it at that. But then you have the ones who... Want to hold a conversation <laughs> or so reply back? So yeah, so nah, man, it's been great, man. You remember? Nah, I was like, this is not <laughs> the time <laughs> for me. So it probably took me. Uh, I I was overwhelmed the f- day one, so I want to say it probably took me a week, probably a week to get it down to like fifty. <laughs> And then it started working working its way out from there on top of the general conversation stuff uh, or stuff that I had to do. So it was just insane. And when you text me like, hey, I bet this, I was like, at that point, I was so drained, like tired of just texting back. I just like, I need a few days. Yeah. It was crazy. I mean, I can't even think of the equivalent to that, but I knew that that was going to be a crazy couple of days for you because it was like, we all knew you were retired, but like everyone was like, is he? And, you know, they were your words, but it was coming from the ringer. So it wasn't like you are. I don't know. So it's like, I knew you were getting flooded and had to be emotional and all that. I still, I mean, I get it, but I still, I don't know. I don't know. I guess, well, like we said before, I guess people had hopes that either a, another year or um, you know making a move for another team, any of that. So I, I mean, I get it, but it's yeah, whatever. Here we are. Retirement golf Vince is 
in his prime and he's ready to go. Freaking good. Absolutely. So when it's like raining like it is right now and you're out on the course, do you just keep golfing? Like in the pouring in the pouring rain? Because we've had a lot of rain here. Yeah. It's crazy. I just you have a I have a a rain suit. A full suit. Yeah. Oh, I gotta see this. Does it come with rain rain boots? it's no pants. You have pants and a jacket. Yeah. And then I have like some, I have like some like the leather golf uh, shoes that can take a beating, mm. you know, that I don't care about. They're strictly for that. So like now that it's kind of raining out, I will still be out there on the course now finishing as uh, long as it's not lightning. It's crazy. It's, it's not pouring. Been- I mean, it's raining, but it's not pouring. Come on. Not it right was, now. it was pouring like an hour earlier. Ago. No, though. Yeah, for sure. But like right now, um, this is manageable. Uh, the ball probably won't. I mean, you tend to get a little mud in your face every now and then. But yeah. <laughs> By that matter. time, you're already wet anyway. What's the difference? <laughs> well, you are committed to the grind. Never yeah. a man to do something 50%. Yeah, I don't want to. So the NBA has begun, whatever that is. They're down in Florida. What's going on? I, ha- hey, I, have, I don't know what's going on in the NBA. Uh, yeah, so what's Kidding. going on in the NBA is <laughs> oh. the 22 teams have arrived in Orlando in the bubble. Oh, shoot. And um, it's been really interesting to see everyone's content of like, you know, being quarantined and what they're doing and guys getting, you know, in trouble for ordering Postmates and stuff. My first question for you is, would you call the snitch hotline? So it's an interesting question because I was listening to, uh, you know, all of the uh, content today on TV. And I don't know. It's, It's one of those in the moment situations. Yeah. And uh, I've heard a lot of good stuff, and it, it's not even stitching it more so than just like, hey, let's let's get some of these guys together and just make them aware of how serious this is, and you know the risk that we're putting ourselves and each other in, you know, for and the, the reporters and everybody else. So that's funny. I've been thinking about this all day. It's like, do you say something to the guys like, man, what you doing? You know, try to have a conversation. More so than just like, hey, such and such is what or whatever, you know, is doing this. I, I don't know if it's that serious to, to that magnitude. But uh, one thing I heard a gentleman say today was like, you know, this is important because if a breakout happens of 20 guys or a team, it's possible that it's, it's a possibility the NBA shuts it all down. You know, so is if is it worth it? Um, you know, it's just the decision making, and it's just tough for. I'm gonna say all guys, because just imagine you having to stay, not even just in your house, but to say in the parameters of your yard or your property or your um, apartment complex. You can't go outside of that. So at least you get outside, but you get to move. And after a while, if you do that for a while, it's. All right, I need something. I need something else. Give me something else. So, and when you're younger, you know, they're trying to provide as much as possible. I mean, I guess for some people, you can only play so much golf, but I don't agree with that part. <laughs> but, <laughs> but dude, like fishing, and they have they have a lot of things to do. Seems like, but like I say, when I think when the season starts, games are start to play. It'll it'll get better. Right yeah. now, it's just guys are just running around with the head cut off. I was going to say, it just depends on the severity of the situation, right? Like, if you see a guy, I don't know what the different, like, like it, levels yeah, are, it, but it depends. Yeah, if you're doing something that's reckless, reckless, like, I heard there was 100 pages, pretty much, of things, rules, if you would. But, like, if you're doing something rec- reckless that's detrimental, you know, um, then that's the difference. And, and in your everyday life, 
in me snitching on or someone snitching on somebody doing something in their everyday life, that's one thing. You know, that's the no-no. Right. If you're in this situation where you're putting us all at risk for our health and our well-being, it's time to step up and say something to somebody. You yeah. or someone, your team or something. Hey, man, get your man together. Come on, man. Get him to tighten up. You know, that's kind of the level I, I, I would consider, you know, but like somebody's well-being, what they're doing. Oh, such and such was ordering fried chicken and eating like blah, blah, blah. Like that, that's, that's not yeah. what's up. Well, and it's it's obviously very serious. So I feel like calling it the snitch hotline is kind of in poor taste on my part, but because it is really serious, like, you know, there's coaches yeah, there yeah. with health problems it's, and it's levels to that. Uh, right. And, and I, I agree with that. But anyway, we're not there, so we don't even have to worry about it. But there was a mention of now they're calling these eight teams, the delete eight, the potential of there being another bubble. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think teams want to do it? Like the, the, the young guys, you don't think it's going to happen? Unfortunately, I, I think it's a good idea. Uh, I, I think being the the majority, if not all of the teams are very pretty, uh, are young. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't consider Golden State a young team. It's just an unfortunate situation for them uh, because when their team, team comes back, <laughs> they'll be they'll be pretty good in an older team. Um, I, I think it's needed uh, for whatever reason it doesn't happen. I think it's unfortunate because those eight teams are behind the eight ball at the end of the day because they wouldn't have played any basketball uh, at a professional level since March 11. And the majority of teams now are so young. Our team is so young and competition at that level is needed. Repetition is needed. So I thought four or five games out there for two and a half weeks, two to two and a half weeks, was worth it, worth these guys getting that repetition, uh, getting some play in because of what's going on here. These guys are in, in that's in the uh, on the campus. It's not the bubble on the campus in in Orlando. They're playing at least eight games. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So they they're they're getting their young guys are going to get some experience and get some play and kind of kind of go into the season. Uh, I mean, go into the summer, which will be a short summer back into the season. So they would have had some basketball still in a rhythm. I mean, once you're out a couple of weeks, you can lose your rhythm, but it's a different, it's different between the teams missing six to eight, well, six months, seven, however, six to eight months of basketball of not really playing on a professional level and missing basketball for three, four months, like the typical summer is. So, um, you know, these guys can say what they want, going to play pickup with your college teammates and, you know, whatever is not the same as playing in a real basketball game against, you know, elite players. So I, I think it's, it's unfortunate. And why don't you think the bubble will happen? The of the eight teams. It's just sounding like uh, you know, uh, a lot of teams that don't want to do it uh, for whatever reason, and uh, I think it's an unfortunate situation because I think they all need it at the end of the day and. Uh, it's only so many individual workouts you can do, one on ones, two on twos, three on threes. Uh, you know, playing five on five, inner squad with your own, your own team. It's only so many, uh, so much of that you can do. Um, after a month of that, you're gonna get tired of seeing the same guys, and not be able to get that level of play. And I say that because of the protocol. So 
you could say, oh, guys who are in town can come in. It's not that easy to just let uh, 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 a random, in, and I don't want to say random, but an outside NBA player just walk in and play right. pickup. It doesn't happen. It can't, it's not going to be like that right now. So um, it's just, and, and, and you know, just knowing Lloyd uh, and, and the Hawks organization, Mr. Tony Ressler, what they, they're trying, they're going to try everything. They can to make sure that these guys still get to play if it doesn't work out somehow, uh, because I think it's important. You know, you have a young, talented team like that. You need to, to from the summer between your first year and second year is, is extremely important. And if you think about it right now, we would have been at summer league. So these Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, they would have been getting reps right now. Anyway, exactly. So, so uh, you know, and from what I hear, there's some guys out of the eight teams outside of the teams that don't want to play either. But I'm like. Well, guess what? You would have been playing in summer league right now right. anyway. Yeah. So, whatever. But we'll see what happens. Hoping mm-hmm. for the best, but I'll, you never... I'll be there if they, if, if it happens. I'm going to go out there. You know, would you play? Work with the guys. I don't know. It's a question mark. Uh, but I definitely will go out there and work out with the guys and just be a part of it. Um, you know, I got to take advantage of that as long as I can. Because when it's over, it's over. So... <laughs> Um, they've they've off extended me the opportunity to go out there um, if it happens to do whatever, um, and I just want to lend a hand. This would be like your redemption time. We all thought your years were over. You come back and dunk on people and stuff. Mm. Yep, and it'd be for <laughs> free too. How about that? It would be for free. Is that right? Was is that like when the the contracts will be done? I don't know the dates on everything. I don't know either. All right. Well, either way, it's you a good me. time. I'm here for yeah. it. Yeah. Absolutely. I'll do it for free. While they're Um, practicing, I'll be out on the, you know, exploring the, yeah, you know. The golf courses of Chicago or wherever they pick. I'm single digits in golf, which is good. Okay, I was going to say, I don't know what that means, but congrats. Yeah, Yeah, thank you. I'm like a seven and a half golfer now. So um, I don't know if we're going to get those questions, but there's the first answer. Um, Other than that, what's going on? But just looking at into phase two and figuring out where I'm going to be, um, you know, I have a lot of things. Um, I have options, which I'm thankful for. Uh, so I have a, some options and things to think about. It's just what makes sense, what's the right thing to do. Um, I just want to, when you have options, you just, now it's like, which one is the right one? What's the right decision? Mm-hmm. And so I'm just trying to be patient, but no, that's it. Just, Doing some TV, I'm, I'm trying. I'm taking the approach like I did the f- last summer, as far as just I would have been once the season was over. I was going to do the playoffs and then summer league, and then maybe the draft, and then I, I go into um, what's the other one? Junior NBA. Hmm. Uh, that's usually my schedule, and then I would have decided what was next, whether it's TV or doing some work with the organization. So now it's just have to wait and see. Have they asked you at all about covering bubble games yet? Um, as far as being there, the analysts are pretty much set. Mm-hmm. So if I did any work, it would be a studio or studio here, Atlanta or New York, depending on the company or the, um, I guess it's the media bubble that's out there in Orlando. Mm-hmm. Possibility. I'm still up in the air with that one. Yeah. I don't know. It seems like if you have the option to just do it and yeah. then you can golf and you don't have to worry about testing and I don't know. It seems well, like they get tested every other day. 
Yeah, and and that's it's kind of the thing. It's it's right there in Orlando in my backyard. True. And I'm sleeping in in the Mickey Mouse Hotel or whatever one they choose for us <laughs> when I could go to my freaking house that's 15 minutes away. Right. But you won't be able to, and they'll snitch on you. They'll call it in. I just stay home. Right. Once I leave, I won't come back. <laughs> right. So looks like studio work it is. Um, well, anyway, we are excited. I'm excited for basketball to actually come back. I had a uh, we watched I watched UFC this weekend and MLS at the same time, which was cool. And MLS is using fake crowd noise, which is crazy to me. I asked that question in the beginning. Remember, I asked. I think mm-hmm. I think I, I asked that on here on one of the episodes. I asked what they use and everybody. Oh, I asked. Yeah, I did. I asked Grant. Mm-hmm. And he was like, eh. I was like, I, I just I just see it happening. As as cheesy as it may be. Well, it's I funny because it when you're watching on TV, like I kept getting confused because like it sounds real. It sounds like there's actually people there cheering, but then you like look in the stands and there's no one there. So I don't know if it's, it's baked like, into the broadcast or if it's baked into the arena. I don't know. Either way, it sounded legit, but it did not look legit. All right. Well, let's get into these questions. Time for our mailbag. And we will start with Twitter. This is from B Burbank. I know Vince played jazz and <laughs> played marching bands. That's not what it's called. Back in high school, does he still play any instruments from time to time? Um, I dibble and dabble in in the studio. I have the ability uh, to record. So I'm an engineer. Uh, Half, fifty percent. Um, I have a saxophone that uh, sits at home, collects dust. I, I think if I ever uh, picked up my saxophone, I could do it. I could, I could play. I don't know if I could play some of the things that I used to play, but you know, practice. It's probably like riding a bike. I would assume. I don't know because I don't play instruments. Somewhat, somewhat. Okay, this is a question about shocks, which I think are a wrap. Are shocks a wrap? This guy says he wants, he needs them back in his life. Uh, they're actually, from what I know, Nike did release sh- the shocks. Um, you know, so you just got to look, go look for it. You know, I'm the wrong person to ask where to get them from. But I know for a fact that they were released back in shoe stores um, during this, this the, the second part of the season. And... Uh, I tend to see on my Twitter feed from time to time people saying that they're out there. So just got to do a little little research. All right. Just check it out, Phil. All right. The next one is also from another Phil, Kaisman Phil. It's, he says, lots of sports media revolves around loyalty to a team market-based location. Considering your devotion to the game and your teammates and that you've been around multiple places, can you talk about this narrative? <laughs> And how it's been unfairly applied to you and other stars. I'm assuming the question is about players being in a market and all of a sudden going somewhere else and being seen uh, as not loyal, ridiculed and whatnot. So uh, we don't all the time. Uh, I, I've said you, you never know. You, you see w- what's on the outside, but you never know what happens or has happened behind the scenes for one. And I always try to put people uh Put it in perspective with their job. Uh, if you're working at your job and you get an offer or an opportunity to move up in the world 
at a competitor, let's say, for in for this situation, let's just say for more money. You know, we get traded, we get moved, they whatever I guys ask for the trade for to be traded with the same money. Just say your pay is double. Let's just say. Do you take the job? I'm sure every person like, yes. hell yeah. I'm out, <laughs> I'm I'm out of here. What do you mean? Like this is uh, upgrade my life. And you know that so that's kind of the 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 I don't even want to say gray area, but that's kind of the situation that we as players go through. It's just like opportunity and sometimes you get traded when you least expect it or you get traded when you don't want to be traded and yet you're still blamed for it or guys are blamed for it. Uh, guys are making this decision, you know, in free agency to move on to bet for, to better their family situation, to, you know, lifestyle, what they're looking for, all of these things. It's like, you know, we're diehard fans of, of our team and we want our team to win. So when you come to our team, we want you to stay here all the time. I get it. Um, but some, you know, we also have to think of the actual athlete and, them being comfortable living their life and and that they want to live and being in the right situation for for the basketball purposes too. I mean, because you know you see guys and you can say, man, when he played such and such, he was awesome. When he got here or when he came to my team, he was awful. Well, maybe the situation didn't work, and then when they move on again, they flourish. And so it's, it's all about opportunity. It's all about the situation. I mean, it's a lot goes into it. So and, and I try to tell these people all the time, put yourself in that position in your job. Now, not only did you double your pay, you were asked to move to the other side of the country, which say maybe you're not a fan of. You're going to do it, more than likely because the money, uh, I mean, you it's upgraded your life. And uh, so it's, it's, it's kind of that same situation. I think people forget, and I do too, honestly, that like this is your job. This is your nine to five per se. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. it's like you have to think about if this was your job, you know, what are you doing? So that it makes so much more sense when you put it in that. Yeah. And, you know, it's kind of, I've heard it all uh, in, in, in the response to that and like, oh, you're, but you're getting paid handsomely and blah, blah, blah. Yes, we are, but it's still our job. Right. You know, we're still our job. We're just, we're in a high paying job. <laughs> that's just what it is. And that's why I say when I try to explain that or put it in perspective, I always say your pay is double. Because now it's it's more attractive to the everyday person, if you would. So um, it's just how it goes. I mean, I know it's in sports, and we want what we want, and we want our, you know, our stars and our teams to be dominant and win every year forever. So it's uh, it comes with the job. You know, uh, that's kind of how I chalk it up. Okay. Next question is, oh hi, Mark. He said, favorite moment from any of your All-Star Game appearances? What is what is your favorite moment? Winning the dunk contest is the answer. Because my first All-Star Game, I tell you what, man, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot. You're asked to do a lot. And you don't really get to enjoy the first one, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, you Because know, pretty much every All-Star goes there you're, you're from your local media, from your hometown to all of these things. You have um, a, a, a lot to do or asked of you to do on top of your endorsements and you, you have to do all of that. So uh, the first year wasn't fun. It was stressful and it got, it got worse Saturday night. Once I won um, the dunk contest, you know, I had to do an appearance after that for winning it with some of the, you know, 
you know, it's one of those, it was one of those, if you win, we want you to come here. You know, obviously if you win, don't win. It's like, <laughs> yeah, don't worry Not about it. Good, good luck. <laughs> you know, so um, it, it's just, oof, that, but that was, that was it. You know, that, and I, I want to add g- giving Michael Jordan my spot, uh, starting spot, you know, something that, that was more so memorable. Yeah. More so than my favorite. My favorite, obviously, is when it dunked out. Um, okay, a user whose handle I do not know how to say says, do you think the Raptors could have been championship contenders if T-Mac had stayed? Uh, we don't know that. I mean, it's, it's, I think we had a legitimate shot. We, we would have been an attractive team to lure a lot of talented players. Um, we, we felt like we, we were a two pieces to uh, a great future <clears throat> at the time. So with that being said, hopefully that would attract you know, the pieces that was needed to win. I mean, I think, you know, you find the right pieces, the, the, the sky's the limit. There was a lot of great teams at the time. Obviously the Lakers <laughs> uh, were very good, um, San Antonio. So it it had been a challenge, but I think we would have had an opportunity to compete for uh, a championship. I definitely had a chance to compete at least one time. Okay, next question comes from diet flannel did you ever seriously consider returning to the raps before retiring that's a good question no so during free agency uh, my phone line was open to to whoever and you know that's what we did we just seeing who was interested there's teams interested um an attempt was made both sides but you know we just wasn't able to, to to make it happen i know for a fact my agent um, had conversation with uh, the Toronto, but it's unfortunate it didn't it couldn't make it happen. So it seems like there was consideration there. Um, the first couple months when free agency started, you know, my agent typically calls and says, "All right, we got a phone calls from such 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 such, and give me a list of people." And you know, some has have minimal, some have serious, and you know, whatever. Some just calling to see if you're actually playing next year to kind of figure it out. So. For me, it was it, I got a few calls, and the, the number, the the amount of calls were surprisingly large in the beginning. More so to see what was what, and I knew my place in free agency comes later on in free agency once teams figure out or go after their big free agents and filling holes, and then you kind of round off your roster for after that. So I understood what was what. So it was it was one of the things I, I didn't want to get too excited about. I mean, it's, it was pleasing and refreshing to see like shoot eight teams or so calling i mean he gave me like eight eight teams it could have been more uh, uh i think it was eight and I, uh, near the end i had probably three three to four uh, half of that let's just say three or four options um before i chose to stay in atlanta yeah two or three two or three well I'm, i think you made the right decision i'll say t- two or three that made sense right let's just say that you know you know it's made sense um okay this is Warsaw White Cats favorite venue to play in. Uh, I'm gonna say my favorite venue to play in would probably be the Garden. Um, playing in the Mecca is speaks for itself. You know, it's a lot of history in that building, um, and I've had some pretty special nights in there. But that that would probably be number one. For sure. It's like you're playing on stage. Yeah. 
we've talked about this, but it's impressive how they're always they're always sold out. It's always oh, yeah. full. That's it. yes, yeah. It's going to always be that way. That's just what it is. Um, the love of sports, and you know, regardless of the the Knicks record, the history and the expectations, um, the the love of the game is always going to be there in, in that building. It's always going to be sold out. It's always going to be the who's who in the front row. It's all of that. It's always going to happen. That's just because you have stars and you have a lot of people come in when you come. When you come to New York for the first time or whatever, you get an opportunity. You, you want to get the opportunity to to go to a Knicks game to just be in the Garden. You know that's just what it is. Um, Mad Ackers wants to know which NBA player was the hardest defensive assignment you had in your career. That's just asking me like, what lake did I throw a rock in the furthest? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's that's so tough. Um, Maybe just name a couple that were really tough. Um, I mean, Iverson, Cole, T-Mac. Um, I mean, MJ, <laughs> obviously. Um, LeBron. I mean, there's there's a laundry list of guys that at some point were, were, were tough guards. Um, and then I'd say T-Mac because we were family and we always tried to go at each other just what it was, you know? So that's why I add him. So, but I just I mean, I think of just the 2000 playoffs against uh, AI, like this, that, that was a real battle. And I, I enjoyed every moment of Kobe. We played together uh, growing up and every time he stepped on the floor, it was like, you had to be ready because, you know, he was a competitor like that. So I'll just go with AI and Kobe and then my reason for T-Mac. Chucky Bits says, if you were staying in the bubble this season and you had to pick a roommate, because <laughs> you guys have roommates, um, based on today's active players, who would you pick and why? <laughs> so I'm assuming this is Atlanta? Yeah. Let's just, I mean, he said of today's active players, so it sounds like he means anyone, but we could narrow it yeah, down to the Hawks. I'll just... Who's the veteran? On the Hawks? I don't know. You? Dwayne, yes. Does Kit Baysmore count? Yeah. Oh, I know, Bays. I miss him. I know Bays is down to go for for golf. I, I'm gonna say Dwayne Dedman. Um, he's out. He's he's actually down to golf, and he's a funny guy. He is a funny guy. We have good conversations. I tell you, if you ever get got to watch uh, our games, home or away, but typically at home. For those fans who either sat behind our bench, first row, second row, maybe third row, like directly behind us, or beside us, first, second, third, fourth row, they had good laughs with us. I, I, I enjoy that dude, man. He's a funny dude. And he always held you accountable for how many games you had left and the fact that you were old and yeah, he, you're- He was the official, yeah. He was the official countdown, uh, countdowner. I don't know. He had the official calendar. So when the game would start- we do our routine and whatever goes on. And he's like, all right, this game over. So now we have 20 <laughs> games left. Like that's, that's how our game started uh, at, at, from, from probably 28 games in. I think it was like 28 games, 26 to 28 games. That's when that started. Yeah. Is that, yeah, about that right. Because we would have had 15 games. So yeah, that's about right. About 28 games in. Yeah, he was just the countdown began. And he was just like, 
soon as I sit down and do whatever I do, he's like, he waits up, you know, the tip happens, we go down and shoot. Oh, actually, before, excuse me, it was before the game because he was, well, this is before he was starting. So when he would come out and we'll sit down and that's when he would say, uh, you know, you got 20, 27 games now, right? Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's go ahead. It was great. He's a good guy. Speaking of Dwayne. Funny dude, man. He posted on his social media that for any small businesses in Atlanta, he is he's doing a grant or a loan or not a loan, but you know, he's giving money to local Atlanta businesses. So if this episode comes out before he closes the competition and you guys are a small business looking for some support, Dwayne Dedman is your guy. I thought that was really awesome that he's doing that. Shout out to Dwayne for doing some great things uh, for information. Uh, you can contact Atlanta Business League at atlantabusinessleague.org. And just head to Twitter, head to Dwayne Dedman's Twitter. You guys know how to get there if you need more information, but he's doing a great thing. So any Black-owned small businesses in the area, Dwayne Dedman up. is your guy. If you've been dealing with acne, redness, dark spots, or wrinkles, finding treatment that works can be complicated. You need skincare that actually performs, but getting started can be overwhelming. Thankfully, there's a solution. Roman makes it convenient to get customized skincare that really performs. Just grab your phone or computer, complete a free online consultation, and you'll hear back from a U.S. licensed physician within 24 hours. If appropriate, a doctor will prescribe a custom blended treatment based on your skin type and priorities. You'll receive your custom skincare treatment with free two-day shipping. You also get free unlimited follow-ups with your doctor if you need to make a change to your treatment or have any questions. With Roman, there are no commitments and you can cancel anytime. Go to GetRoman.com slash winging it to try out a three-month supply of Nightly Defense for just $5. It's free to chat with the doctor and your first order is just $5. That's GetRoman.com slash winging it. Eligibility requirements and additional terms apply. All right, let's get back into the mailbag. This is from Maximilian711. What was your favorite moment or favorite game from your time with the Nets? Favorite moment or time with the Nets would probably be uh, when I scored 51 um in in Miami um would probably be one of my favorite um moments and uh, times and obviously the dunk on Alonzo morning uh as well which was two different games but uh that was two and it happened to be the same team but that was two moments i mean five years of playing there there there's a lot of great moments but uh, scored my career high of 51 in, on the road in a place like Miami with Dwayne Wade, um, Shaq, um, Gary Payton. Uh, was Ray Allen James there then? Posey. No, I don't think he was still there. And um, did I say Alonzo? Alonzo was there also. So, I mean, a pretty darn good team. Yeah. So, All right. Greater... ALX wants to know what is your go-to post-game meal? Post-game? Mm-hmm. Do you eat Ooh, after that's... games? <laughs> yeah, you're supposed, <laughs> you're supposed to. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
it just depends on what it is. Cause like when we're traveling on the road, it's kind of what you have, whatever option you have on the plane. And um, when you travel uh, and after games, if you have a TV game, you know, a lot of places are closed, you know, after TV games in uh, at home. So you kind of, the food that we have available in the locker room after games uh, pretty much are, are essential and go to. So um, that's a tough answer because it's, it, it just depends on what's available. Always something good though. And if possible, a glass of red wine. You. Oh. Now I'm asking you. <laughs> <laughs> so that means you. <laughs> no, I didn't really. Uh, I, I mean, like, I mean, rarely. if you're on the road and you're Every able to relax. If, yeah. But after game, it just like I said, it just depends. Like there again, like we don't we wouldn't have. You know, we have a younger team, so we wouldn't have alcohol or red or wine or something like that provided on the plane. Yeah. Uh, after games. Um, if we stay over. And we have meals um, for us, or we shut down a restaurant, or however we would do it. Yeah, I do. That's when I would do some red wine. So I, I see where you're going with that. Yeah, <laughs> speaking from experience, right? <laughs> oh yeah, you've been there. <laughs> been there a few times. Those were, those yeah. are the good days. Uh, back that, that when we could days. be shoulder to shoulder oh, with Ch- people. Oh, Chandler Parsons, boy! Shout out to Chandler oh, Parsons. Man. Chandler Parsons, where are you at? <laughs> he is crazy, man. If you guys don't know. Mm. That night on Thanksgiving, I want the people to know if we never talked about this. We were in Indianapolis oh. <laughs> and Tell it. it was Thanksgiving and the whole team had a little like buffet, but people were coming and going as they saw fit. And me, Vince, Chandler Parsons and Jelani from PR sat at a table for it was it had to be at least eight hours. Yeah, for sure. At least eight hours playing cards. Yes. I mean, like, that was like the most addicting thing. I wanted to get yeah, up were, and go to my room. You were out of control, addicted. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't stop. It was so fun. On top of the cheap wine that we had. Right. All around great time. Uh, Chandler, give us a call if you're listening. Yeah. Yeah. We, we should, should probably just... bring him on. I already know. We should bring him on. Oh, my gosh. I would love that. Uh, TJ Sutton 04 wants to know, what was the dunk you've wanted to pull off but couldn't? I'm not telling because somebody's going to steal it. Yeah. Well, how about like a game failed, like the Duke one? Would you say that was like a failed Uh, dunk that you'd want to do? Well, it was a fail. Yes, it was a failed dunk, but I kind of got, I got an opportunity to actually make that dunk when I I remember the game. I remember we were playing, (laughs) you're going to laugh, but we were playing, I was with the Nets. We're playing the Clippers. Yes, we're playing the Clippers. Jason Kidd throws it off the, the back where I catch it with two hands, dunk it with one, and the ball hits off of Chris Kamen's shoulders and flies into the stands. <laughs> How about that? I remember it. Because I remember when he threw it off the backboard, I was like, I'm not going to miss this one again. <laughs> and I just, man, I remember it. I don't know why, but you know me. I do. I was glad to see the, um, after that episode came out, the ACC Network, I think, um, tweeted yeah. a gif of the missed dunk. And I was glad to see it because I you had talked about it, but I hadn't actually seen the video. So, see, Man, I... And everyone's yeah. like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. You can hear the whole real like, oh, like, gosh. I, I, I mean, that bothered me for, not for years, just replaying it. Like, I see it. I remember running behind it, and, and I remember Ed Coda looked back at me, and I was like, oh, here, I, I knew it was coming. And I was just like, I'm going to tear this rim down. <laughs> 
And I did I, I did half the job. Tore the rim right. down without the ball going through. And you guys won the game, right? So that's all that matters. Yes, we did. Um, okay, this is from Tyler Givler, and he wants to know what were some who were some young players, and you don't need to answer this if you don't feel comfortable, that you felt had exceptional potential but did not make it. There was a lot of guys who I felt it's hard to pick. It's hard. I mean, that that I felt that had potential to to really last in this league, and whether just being young and letting the NBA life get to them and swallow them up, mm-hmm. where not just hanging out a, a little too much or um, living the life that you think you can live, but not have the money to do so yet. Uh, is has been a, a huge factor to a lot of guys and just not some guys just not being able to adapt to speed, lifestyle, fame. I mean, it's 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 a number it's a number of guys in this league. So picking one, uh, I don't I don't want to do that to guys, but um, that is kind of the Achilles heel, the common denominator of the <laughs> I guess the demise of a lot of guys. Um, just falling short. Just you've heard us talk about this before. Bays and I have talked about it. Um, you know, you work your butt off to get into the NBA, and then you become satisfied mm-hmm. now that you get to don the jersey and you see your name on the back, and then you end up on NBA Live and NBA Two K and all that stuff. Like, hey, man, you know. But the hardest part is actually staying um, in in the league, and you know, I, I think fans get spoiled when. You turn on the TV, and you've been in this business for how long now? Um, you, like six or seven years. So six, okay. So this thing for six or seven years. Think of the uh, the names. The think of the the players that you will consistent you consistently have seen for the last six seven years. Braun, D Wade, you know, stars mm-hmm. of stars, and even maybe the the, the next tier of guys. And you expect to see them every year, but you never really see the guys like let's say in your first year who was out of the league after that one year, mm-hmm. and it's just they just go away yeah. because it's that hard, and you you kind of it gets they get lost in the shuffle. So sometimes, you, and then you sit back and think if you think about some of the guys that you covered your first year, um, and you sit here like man, whatever happened to him? That's right, he was oh he was pretty solid, but what happened to him? Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's a lot of that, but you yeah. never hear about it. So, you know, it's you, when you think about the guys like, you know, not to <laughs> tap um, the toot my horn, but like when you think of guys who just been around for so long, it's tough to do. It, yeah. it really is to stick around, and you know, you can you can have fame, uh, you can you can be a star of a league for so many years, but if you can't reinvent yourself and if you can't adapt. Uh, if you get caught up in the lifestyle that is so easy to fall into here in this business, it swallows you up. Well, and a lot of rookies, I mean, they make a lot of money compared to the average person, but they don't make a lot of money for the NBA. And so I think mm-hmm. a lot of rookies come into it like, oh, I'm in the NBA. I, sh- I am a millionaire. I, I got, can spend I like a millionaire. Money. Yeah. No, and then you, it catches up You signed up with them. a contract. <laughs> you signed right. a contract that says you were... Uh, you will be compensated this um, this amount of money, but it's a period time period. You, know, yeah. you don't get the lump sum. So you're like you know, on top of being taxed, 
So you'll look at a, a guy's contract and just think whatever they're making, cut that in half. I like your shirt, by the way. Thank you. I want to shout that? out the girl who made it, but um, I only know her Instagram is Z- ZK that's, Captures. That's dope. So, yeah, I'll post it she on my Instagram story, too. She couldn't send me one? That's cool. Well, I, I, I bought nah, it. No, nah, no, nah. And she raised... Oh, that's dope. Respect. <laughs> <laughs> she raised um, $16,000 for um, different black charities. So I think one was the Equal Justice. I don't want to like speak because I'm not sure exactly what they were, mm-hmm. but all the money, $16,000, went to different charities. So I think that's okay. cool. That's dope. So peep my IG story if you want a Black Lives Matter sweatshirt. MM88 underscore AJ wants to know who was your non-superstar favorite teammate? All of them. All of my favorite teammates and friends are are non-superstars. Yeah. Um, you know, outside of the Hall of Famer, Tracy McGrady. But, I mean, some of the guys that I talk to wouldn't be the most popular in the everyday basketball fans fantasy draft, you know? Um, yeah. But these are like some of my friends who I keep up with. Like I still talk to Alvin Williams, probably don't know him. I still talk to Bays and frequently, when I say still talk to him, these are like guys I, I frequently talk to, uh, Garrett Temple, um, Jay Crowder, uh, Cal Lowry. Uh, I, I am currently on a group chat. <laughs> I'm on a very funny group chat with, um, <laughs> this is so random, uh, Kyle Lowry, uh, Mike Conley, and Garrett Temple. And the banter that goes on on that chat is unbelievable. And it's all centered around golf. I was going to say, this has to all be yeah, about golf. That, that's a golf group right <laughs> there. So um, stay tuned. Hopefully we can do a some type of charity event where it's just the four of us. I mean, there's more golfers, so we might look into it. But um, that's a good group. Man, I, I'd have to go to my phone, man. Like, it's so weird because like, uh, it's probably more guys and uh, they just seem like all of my friends are just like the everyday person. You know, somebody else I talk to a lot is Grant Hill. Mm-hmm. Mm, um, uh, George Hill uh, is another one who, you know, some of the guys that I just frequently talk to and we have conversations. So it's just like, they're just, it's just a normal conversation. So I don't really think about like, damn, that's right. You do play in the league. Anthony Johnson is a former right. teammate of mine who I golf with. Um, yeah. I mean, that's just a quick list of guys that, that I talk to. This question is from Nat Martinez. And she wants to know if you hadn't gone to UNC, where would you have gone to school? UNC. If you hadn't. I gone to UNC State. No, I'm kidding. Um, if if I hadn't gone to Carolina, uh, where would I have gone? Um, well, I'll say my final, <laughs> my final four. Um, well, I had six. In my final six, I had Florida, Florida State, Duke, Carolina, Kansas, Kentucky. Uh, cut Ken- Kansas, and then I cut Kentucky out. Then my final four was between those other. To, which were all rivals. I didn't foresee myself going to Duke uh, at the time. They just were a very good team and loaded, and my position was filled, and, and the player there was pretty good. So, I probably would have probably would have ended up at Florida or Florida State. 
um, if I didn't go to UNC. I don't know which one. Um, I don't know. Well, I'm glad you ended up where you did. Other than Kansas would have been better. Um, I mean, they had, like I said, it was tough because Paul was there. Mm. And they brought in Paul and they had Rafe, but Paul was kind of, um, was already there. Um, so, I mean, we could have been, we could have played two, three, but Jerry Stackhouse and, and Rashid had just announced that they were going pro mm. uh, the year uh, I was coming out. So it was like, oh, <laughs> Carolina has a spot. Space has been cleared. <laughs> Okay, this question comes from NBA Stats King. What current player reminds you most of yourself? Is there a young yeah. Vince Carter out there? Yeah, I leave, I leave that to to those who do it. That's Great. a tough one to answer. I like these next two questions quite a bit. This one is from J.H. Duggan, and they want to know, what is your favorite pasta shape? My favorite pasta, pasta shape? shape. Yes. I thought you said pasta shake. <laughs> <clears throat> um, that's tough for me because I do them all. Like I'll go to a restaurant and you know just ask for pasta and whatever noodle they have available. Yeah. I'm not picky when it comes to to a noodle. I mean, it started off as a um, fettuccine, and then it just went to. Whatever, <laughs> whatever they have, tortellini, all, all the above. I, I'm not, I'm not really picky when it comes to the noodle. Um, I just would like to say my favorite, if anyone cares, is bow tie pasta. Yeah, that's probably my least favorite. Love, really? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, and then this question is Possibly. from T Such Pirate, and they want to know, dying to know the answer to this question: Cheez Its or Pringles? Pr- <laughs> Pringles, <laughs> all day, every day. And on the weekends. Do you still Pringles. have any of those Cheez-Its and Pringles left? Yeah. Nope. Nope. You ate them all. Every last one of them. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I have a box or two of Cheez-Its. I smashed two of those boxes of Cheez-Its in like 24 hours. Wow. The one with the Cheez-Its square and the caramel mm. popcorn Right, a, right. Yeah, yeah. That one. <laughs> that one slapped. Okay. Uh, NBA Stat King wants to know, you were a mentor for a ton of younger players over the last few years. Who was your biggest mentor coming into the league? So many. See, it's the times are, were different. Um, so me being the only veteran on a on a basketball team, it's it was flipped. Mm-hmm. So you go to the NBA team back in the 90s and early 2000s, you're going to have five, six veterans. It's going to be mixed. It, go, it could be 10 veterans and four rookies or whatever, or, you know, younger guys. So I had a team full of uh, mentors and guys that I looked up to. But I guess I'm going to say my – I'll start here. My first – before my my first practice, um, before the draft, um, Two guys that I probably communicated with. <laughs> well, three. Uh, this is going to sound weird. So I'll say T Mac <laughs> because he was already in the league, the league for a year. So he was. It was easy to say what is you know what is what's it like, especially being a rookie. And he can kind of just 
break it down. Like, this is what it's like and what he felt like. But I can, I'll say Nick Anderson, hmm. uh, because we were good friends. Well, he came to, he, he would come to see me play in high school when he was with the Magic. He heard about me. He was like, man, I got to go see who he is and whatever. And he tells the story and he would come, he, he would come out there and he, he, to watch me play. I remember him walking in one time and everybody was like, Nick Anderson is in Daytona Beach, an hour and some change away to come in our little gym. And the next thing I know, he comes back to, and he brings like three other guys from the Magic and, and we became friends. And the next thing I know, I'm playing pickup basketball uh, with Penny Shaq, Horace Grant, and Nick and all of these guys. He's like, yo, man, it's the high school kid, blah, blah, blah. And when we had Penny on uh, on the show and, and Turner, he briefly talked about how I didn't think he would remember. Like, I was just some kid, and I didn't think he remembered. And he mentioned it, so it was just pretty cool. And then the other guy, is in, I met him in Chicago. Um, well, we kind of had mutual friends, but um, Ron Harper, he played for the Bulls, uh, uh, that in MJ's last championship, and he was very influential and and very helpful because I was Chicago pre-draft. You know, I had to go through all that stuff. Not playing, I didn't play, but I had to go right. through all the other stuff. And he took me to dinner one night and just kind of broke it down, and uh, which ended up being an interesting night. Interesting night, man. Just I, I ended up hanging out with Dennis Rodman. So this is 98. So for those who watched The Last Dance, I'm I'm hanging out with them after the championship in 98. And we're eating dinner and Rodman comes out and he's like, yeah, man, go out with me. Bad mistake. <laughs> when I say that was some, that was some of the, it was just, it was weird, man. It was just, I'll tell you what, man, everybody loved Rodman and he knew everybody straight or otherwise. I, I'm talking about everybody loved him and he was friends with, you know, everybody. And uh, I got to see it firsthand. What was the craziest part of the night with Dennis Rodman? The the nightclub that he wanted us to stop by to. <laughs> that's, that's that, yeah. We'll leave it at that. It wasn't the, the club. That, it wasn't the club. When he said that, I was like, okay, cool, whatever. You know, this is Vince about to be a rookie. I'm 20 years old, 21, 20. I was 21. Yeah, you were 21. 21. I was 21. And, uh, um, you know, hanging out with the guys, getting all this NBA knowledge. And then two hours later after dinner, <laughs> I'm hanging with Dennis Rodman. And probably an hour after meeting him, sitting and talk, I'm in this club, man. It's just a lot going on. A lot going on. People swinging off roofs. Uh, man, it was... I was like, yeah, I'm going to go home. I want to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sleepy. I want to go home. <laughs> your, uh, your inner band geek was like, I got to get out of here. I want to go home, please. <laughs> was Carmen Electra there? Uh, was she? I don't think so. I don't think so. No. Uh, no. No. Okay. Um, on to the next question. I'm going to try to fly through some of these. Jordan CW sure. wants to know, did you and Antoine ever think about teaming up? Um, that's another guy who I enjoyed competition with. Uh, we never, we probably talked about it, but it, it, I mean, see, back, back in, back in the day, it just, it wasn't like that. Like you didn't really have those conversations. 
uh, I mean, it was like, yeah, it just what I don't know. It was just different. Like we never really. It was always like, you know, I'm gonna bust your ass after you know when I see you. That's how yeah. it was. I remember our first time playing against each other in Golden State. Like we couldn't stop smiling. And 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 t- like you know, we got drafted, we got traded for each other, and now we're playing against each other. And like, like, bro, like we used to be at practice together. That now it's like we're in the NBA and whatever. So it was just the respect of like when when we would play each other, we holler at each other either the night before and right before the game, and then we were in either guard each other or or, or otherwise, and just a lot of you know talking a lot of junk to each other. So yeah, I never. It might have been talked about one of those. Oh man, it'd have been cool if type things, but it just wasn't talked about like like it is kind of now. Um, this is from Smith Butter VC. What's your mindset when you attempt to dunk on someone like Matumbo? I don't really have one. I just do what I do. I mean, I didn't. I already. I, I mean, the mindset was already there of. When opportunity knocked, you know, I shoot for it. I go for it, and you know, it just you, you know what you're dealing with when when you're dealing with a type of player like Batumbo. Sometimes you you try to go through him, try to go over him. You know if he's gonna, you know, if he's one of those what we call early jumpers, he jumps before you get the jump, so he <laughs> so you can't dunk on him stuff like that. You know, all of these things. I mean, outside of that, it's just the mentality was already there. It's yeah. just more so waiting for the opportunity. You're a dunker. You just got it in you. It's in your DNA. Yeah. You either um, got it or you don't. J2 Farces wants to know, do you think you could have won the three-point contest? I don't know. That's tough. Uh, there's some great, great shooters out there. I would have tried it. I mean, for sure, I would have tried it. I got second place in the McDonald's um, uh, All-American All game. I fell just short of that. Like I was, I was trying to go home with two trophies that night. Um, but my guy, sweet Lou Bullock, uh, I think he won it that, that night. So I, I, I mean, I, i never was invited, but I was later on in my career, my last couple of years, like, you know, if they asked me, I'd probably do it. Hmm. Like I would have done it if they would have asked me this past all-star game for sure. You would have done it? Yeah. No way. You would have wanted to go to the Bahamas. Right. But I, I would have done the three point contest and left right after. Oh, okay. To go to the Bahamas. Literally. Absolutely. Let's bring you out of retirement for the next three-point contest. Nope. Too late. So this question comes from at Steve the Engineer's friend on Twitter, a.k.a. JT Sweeney. Um, What teammate of yours had the weirdest eating habits? I know there's been a lot of chicken fingers. There's a lot of chicken fingers going on. Oh, man. Man. Chicken fingers. I mean, it just depends. Uh, It just depends. Um, There was some of these. I mean, obviously the vegan thing now. Um, I'm trying to think now is different. Uh, I'm trying to think back in my early years when, um, I, I mean, I can remember some of the skinny bigs uh, that were drafted, some European players, but some of the skinny, bigger guys uh, who would try to eat everything they could to gain weight. So they were just kind of like, so for me, you know, I was the quote unquote high flyer. So they wanted me to gain muscle, but not gain bad weight uh, to, to continue to fly throughout the air and all that stuff. So had to remain aerodynamic as much as possible for as long as possible. So I just kind of I learned how to be 
uh, how I learned how to eat better. Uh, I mean, when you're young, uh, burn calories, you were able to burn calories. And yeah, I mean, it just, there's not as, as many avenues and, uh, we don't know as much about it as you do now. Yeah. So what we were eating, what I was eating at 22 or 21, 22, and what some of our young guys are eating now, they now know that they wasn't a good idea. And they still do it now. Some of these guys just, you know, can't do it, don't do it. So, I mean, I used to see guys just smash pizzas for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. When it was like, hey, you know, you need to eat this, add some green stuff. Like, we see, see some of these veteran guys, you know. I was like, now they're telling me this, but you're doing that. Because basketball was so different in the 90s and early 2000s where it was more half court. Now the game's so much faster mm-hmm. and you're running, it's fast break basketball. Like if you ate like that, you wouldn't make it. It was a norm to see just bad eating, uh, candy, like our playing team planes used to have candy, all type of like chocolate of chocolate, like the, the, the best sweets, the worst, the good stuff is always the worst stuff. And now you look at team planes, it's just so healthy and that's yeah. the, it's gross, you know. But I mean, guys were eating like seafood, like I can't do this, like, seafood before the game. Like I'm like, you might, you know, mess on yourself. <laughs> I had a teammate, I won't say his name. He's known, he's not, I mean, not one of the elite, but he used to make himself throw up before every game. Every game. Didn't know it. Like he every game. That's like just he was, was his bulimic? Thing. Nerves. Oh, so he would like get sick. He wouldn't like he stick his fingers on ma- his throat. Yes. Every game make himself throw up. So <laughs> here's what so one day I wanna say this was I wanna say it was Washington. Pretty sure it was Washington. Uh we're warming up, warming up. And if you know Washington, that hallway is long. But I run I run back oh to the, my to God, the locker room. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'm running back to the locker room, whatever. And I remember just sitting in the mirror, washing my hands, or whatever, whatever. And I was just like, oh, I'm like, man, what the? <laughs> you just hear it, like, and uh, as trainer, I was like, man, what was that? Whatever, whatever. She's like, yeah, that's such and such. Almost said his name. I was like, yeah, that's such and such back there. And uh, I was like, what? Didn't know it. And they said that was his thing before every game. And he was older, so he'd been doing it for years. Before every game, he'd go back there and stick his finger, and, you know, and throw up. So he'd feel better and come out and be the great player that he was. Can't say the position. I am moderately disturbed by the story, but um, that was his I've, thing. I've and had nerves before. He's legendary. Too, so. He's legendary. We're going to switch to Facebook. <laughs> Uh, this is from Max Marvin. Finally, a question about golf. God, I've been waiting for so long. Um, what was your golf handicap before retirement? And do you have a target you were trying to hit in retirement? My golf handicap before retirement? I was, well, I was, this last year, I was playing a lot of golf. Uh, so I was right there at a, I, I got down to like an eight, and a, and a, but let's just say nine. I was like at a 10 for the most of the year. And now I'm at like a, a seven. So it's dropping down. Lower the better. What's like Steph Curry, Kent Bazemore type people? They're right there. Uh, Steph is probably like two or three, five, somewhere down. Two oh, to wow. five, like down there. Mike Conley's a five. 
Uh, Ray Allen is plus, so he's already gone down to zero and back up the ladder. That's what oh. your typical golfers, like the pros are plus. They're, you know, we're trying to trend down to zero to get close. Now when you get there, you're, now you're working your way back up. That's the what most of, well, pretty much all the professional golfers are. So I'm probably right now at a seven. I play a lot. And so sometimes uh, I, I, I just, sometimes I just need to take a break and my game gets bad. But I'm right now at a seven. And what's your goal for this first year of retirement? My goal is to try to get to five. So what you get, get so you can get so far, and then then it gets tough to kind of drop after that. I got I've been as low as a six and a half uh, just recently, and then I'll play bad. So right now I'm at, I, I, I'll only play from the farthest tee box, what we call the tips. That's the only place I play, and I just work on my game that way. And now that I'm working again, I don't get the opportunity to work on my game. I just play because I play, and then I got to go work or do whatever I'm doing. So I don't get to practice. But my goal is to get to a five, but I'm going to uh, get back to practicing with the my coach. Not that Your I have coach? one yet. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um. Well, I, the anticipation is killing me, and I hope you get there, and I will be checking in with you frequently to find out. So. Oh, absolutely. I'll let people know. We'll need like a monthly update. All right. We're going to go to two more questions. This one is from Matthew Lemon. What's your favorite memory of Oak when he was your teammate on the Raptors? Oh, gosh. what is I, it, That's not fair. <laughs> the favorite. It's hard to find a favorite. I mean, well, one I'll say one I'm most appreciative of is the second my second practice of my uh, NBA career, he put his arms around me and said, "Hey, oh, I got you, and I'm I'm gonna help you become the star in this league." I mean, obviously, you don't tell Charles Oakley no, right? <laughs> and <laughs> but he just—I mean, I, I used to have to carry his bags and do all of this these, these rookie duties. But I tell you, the knowledge, uh, the protection that he he had and gave T Mac and I was essential to our growth. Taught me how to watch film and whatever. I mean, this man played alongside Patrick Ewing and Michael Jordan, some of the best. So he got to see firsthand how the stars prepared and whatever. But favorite moments, uh, one is an interesting story, which I think you're going to want to hear a lot of people, but I'm going to tell a revised story to that one. But my favorite, one of the favorites is Oak was, is a chef. He's always mm-hmm. been a great cook and he used to demand that Tracy and I show up to his house to when he would cook dinner. Like he would cook just because, and he'd be called, "Hey man, come through." I was like, "Ah, oh." He's like, "No, you know, get your butt over here," and we just have to show up. <laughs> so, um, but like I said, he was loyal to his teammates, and he won't let anybody bother you. He doesn't. I mean, even to this day, he tries to bully me and treat me like a rookie, which is okay. <laughs> Uh, but like when he sees him, like, man, I'm not a rookie anymore. I'm actually retiring soon. <laughs> Stop doing this, you know. But uh, I have a lot of love for him, a lot of appreciation for him because I tell you, the success and the way I was able to play my first year has a lot to do with starting with Charles Oakley, and it works its way down to Kevin Willis, Doug Christie, D. Brown, Antonio Davis, uh, all of these young, all young, all of these uh, veterans, and all of those guys played with superstars that they all gave me knowledge at different times of that first year. And even T-Mac just being a rookie, but he'd been through it. So he understood what I was feeling or thinking at different points in time. So that's that. Now, 
the fun thing is I I don't know if you know, but a lot of people, listeners know the hit the story of Tyrone Hill and Charles Oakley. They had a um a longstanding beef uh over some money, over a Blu-ray game. Oh yeah. And so on and so forth. Okay. Well, I don't want to use the word proud to say, but for that transaction and for the debt being cleared, um, a lot of people don't know I am the one that answered the phone ah. for that transaction. So I remember I'm sitting, I'm sitting in the in the in his room because he made he had a jeweler, a watch guy come in and he said, like, "Yeah, come up here, whatever." So we're just sitting in his room and he's looking at watches and all this stuff. I'm like, I know my lane. I was like, "Bro, I can't buy any of this right now." <laughs> but yes, I'm in here. And the phone rings, so he's like, "Hey, you know, get the phone." It's like, "All right, cool. Hello, hello. Yeah, can I speak to Oak? All right, hey, it's for you." He's like, "Who is it, Rook? I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Not my business." I was like, "Uh, who is it?" <laughs> and you know, so he says, "You know, it's." You know, Tyrone. So I was like, oh, so I'm like, I knew of the the whole thing, the beef in there, whatever, you know, and I'm not going to tell the story because pretty much everybody knows the story. But I was like, oh, I was like, yo, it's Tyrone. It's Tyrone. <laughs> it's Tyrone. He was like, yo, Will. He said, what are you? Like, hey, no, nah, can I speak to him? So I was like, so they're talking. So I'm sitting there like, mind you, I'm like, I'm rookie. So I'm just sitting there like, ooh, 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 trying to listen. Like, I'm trying to listen to the conversation. And, you know, so they were supposed to meet and blah, 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 handle the business. So he's like, yo, man. I'm about to get you know, the money, whatever, whatever, whatever. You're about to clear the debt, his debt, and you know, and I'll call you, whatever. So he comes back, and that was the first time I, I saw a lot of money in one lump sum. Uh, he comes in and he puts it there on the bed. How much did he like, owe well, him? Round numbers? A couple thousand? I don't remember. What? Five figures. Like 60. Uh. And that was back in the day too, so that was even more money. See, but back in the day, they were gambling for real, for real. Mm. So the debt, you know, and it was just like IOUs, you know. Oh, I'll let you borrow. I know you owe me, and you know, so that was kind of thing. I want to say it was like sixty-seven thousand, and it could have been more, but that was the first time I seen that that much money at, in one God. in one person. So I was just like, see, he puts it on the bed. I was like, hey, can I get like ten thousand? Because I answered the phone. Because <laughs> if I didn't answer the phone, this wouldn't have happened. He was like, nah, I'll beat you. I was like, all right, cool, whatever. So it was just cool. I, I, it was just. You know, just a little tidbit. You got the transaction going, therefore you should have yeah, gotten. Yeah, because if I didn't answer the phone, you know, you know, Oak probably would have been still chasing Tyrone. <laughs> to stay. Yeah. One of my favorite so. recent memories was when Oak was at the Hawks game, and it was him. When he was beating on me. That's, that's what I'm Willis. telling you. That's exactly what I was trying yeah. to say. Yeah, man. God, Ali. I was like, you can't beat on me in front of all these people, man. He <laughs> that his thing is when he see you, he like to hit you in your gut. Like that's, I was like, I, I have a game first of all, and then you can't do this to me anymore. Like it's just, but it was, it was. Every time I'm around those guys, I still feel like the young guy in the locker yeah. room. I have that much respect for them, and I still respect them regardless of in my 40s or not, and the oldest guy in the league. But that's how the respect, um, you know, was carried around the league as a young guy, you respect the guys because they put the work in and you're learning to do so. And they're, they're giving you game. So I was a fool not to listen and not to respect these guys uh, for what they had accomplished and what they're trying to help me do. So nothing has changed over <laughs> 22, well, 20 years. And like you said, I know you sit there and saw, I was like, man, you see how these guys treat me? <laughs> and you're 22 years, 22 seasons in. Yeah. Like I'm 43, man. And still like what you need. Oak? I'll get it after the game, <laughs> I got but you. I got you. I got you. Well, uh, my personal request would be that we should get Oak on the podcast, but that's just a personal thing. 
that can happen. Okay. Our last question from Facebook is what was the dunk where you felt your head was highest above the rim? They're, they're probably random in the um, open practice. Uh, I, I remember I was wearing um, my practice gear, but I had a white t-shirt on over it and I threw the ball up to do the windmill. And that was like one of the highest I'd ever jumped in my life. Doing in the Toronto? windmill In Toronto. I could probably pull it up and show you because I, I, I mean, I know it. I, I know it, and every time I see it, I was like, man. To this day, I was like, that's one of the highest I've ever jumped. And another one was in Toronto as well. We're playing the Indiana Pacers. I remember they had on yellow, <laughs> and Rick Smith. I get a lob, uh, alley oop from the left side of the court, and I caught the ball, and I dunked the ball like ducking my head and one hand to the side, <laughs> like Rick Smith is standing beside me. But I was jumping so high, and I want to play. It was a home game, and I got a tip in to win the game. And uh, but I remember jumping up there, and I remember looking at the rim, caught it sideways, and I was like, "Oh, I'm about to knock myself out!" And I ducked my head, and then ducked it like <laughs> oh, leaning over God. my head like that. That was one of the highest I remember um, being, because I just remember I felt like my I could feel like the bar, the the rim, like like was right above my neck bone when I bent down like that. And the last one would be uh, the lob I caught against the Clippers from D Brown, the one-handed uh, alley oop dunk. That's one of the times, like I mean, at, back then, like uh, when I was running and I made eye contact with somebody who's going to throw the lob, we already had an understanding. Just throw it, and sometimes I just jump and I figure it out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just being honest. And that time I was just like, I'll just point up, and I jumped, and I remember just catching it, and he threw it behind me but I just I had big enough hands where I caught it behind me and I just took it and just threw it down and I remember it just slammed on the ground and whatever that was one of the ones that yeah that was that and my last I guess I said my last one but I remember preseason game against the 76ers at Chapel Hill uh, playing against Adamola my college teammate I get an alley-oop from Corliss Williamson and I do the windmill dunk on our um, on our home floor in front of our fans, like that was another one I felt like, yeah, Lee, boy, I, that's it, so those ones I see often. I'm like, woo, I was up there for that, <laughs> and I had a few in high school. Actually, well, I think the moral of the story is you jump really freaking high. I jumped high majority in high of the time. Well, yeah, I jumped higher in high school. You were also like a stick, and I still jump prob- higher. I used to be able to touch the top of the backboard in high school. Yeah, my senior year, for sure. Maybe the summer of my, yeah, my senior year and my freshman year of college. Those two, those years, for sure. That's, to me, that was the highest. Um, I was jumping the highest at that point. It's insane. I hit my head a couple of times on the rim. I had a couple of um, knots on my head from jumping. Hit the rim. Oh. P- trying to show people. And that's not one of those like, oh, if I jump here, I'm safe. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, yeah, I, I was stupid. Dunker probs. I've never yeah. dunked. But one time, shout out to Dan Savage. He lifted me up so that I could dunk for this video that we were making. Dan Savage. Oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> Dan Savage of the Orlando Magic. Yeah. All right. Well, that is all of our questions that we have selected to answer for Mr. Vince Carter on this mailbag edition of Winging It. We thank do it you again guys sometime. thank you for all sending in your questions we appreciate them and yeah like he said hopefully we will do it again sometime so uh, keep your questions in your mind and we will be sure to let you know next time we do one 
Thank you so much for listening to this special mailbag edition of Winging It, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We appreciate you guys. Don't forget to... Five stars, good people. Five stars. Yeah, go ahead. Go into the podcast app. Give us five stars. Leave us a awesome review because we love y'all and we know you love us too. And also let us know who you want us to get on the podcast because, uh, yeah, we're looking for people. And we'll talk to you next time. 